before we pray, if you would turn to Genesis chapter 50. And we're going to read from verse 15. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. In fact, hopefully you do have your Bibles with you or have some form of that uh, on your phone or wherever that might be. Uh, because we're going to be jumping around in a number of places in Genesis. It's important that you uh, are able to follow along with this because they're not going to be up on the screen. It's going to be right here in, in the Word. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say, Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children and be assured. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day. We thank you for how you provide and protect us and how you have people that do that in our families, people that do that in our communities. We just ask your blessing this morning upon our, our public servants here in this area, the police, the fire, emergency, or that you would bless them as they go about their duties, that you would watch over and keep them safe, or that you would enable them to do this in a way that continues to be gracious, desiring to serve others. Lord, that there would be a sense of whether or not they, they have, uh, that people are, are pleased with what they're doing, that there would be a sense of your good pleasure upon them. Lord, we pray this morning as we look at your word that you prepare us to meet you at your table, that we would be ready to celebrate communion this day. And that you speak to our hearts. A topic that's familiar to many, and yet, Lord, if we're honest, most of us do not have this down all the time. And I thank you for the challenge today for each and every one of us and who you want us to be. Holy Spirit, speak, move in us, empower us to become the people you are calling us to be. Help me to speak your words, but go beyond anything I say, as you always do. To our hearts to be transformed this day. To live out what you've already shown us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, I have a question for you as we begin. Here's the question. How many here either came from or are currently in a perfect family? 
Let's see a show of hands. I do want to remind you, it is communion today. Okay, you know, that shouldn't really be a surprise, right? There is no such thing. It's a perfect family, in part because family is where real life happens 24-7. Family are the people out of anybody except for God who sees you as you are all the time. Family is that place. Therefore, we're not perfect. We fail. We fall. We hurt one another. Sometimes uh, we obviously come to those points where we need to forgive one another. Although that's difficult. And for some people, it's more difficult with your family to forgive because those are the people who you most love and yet seem to be most difficult to forgive because we are supposed to love one another. They're supposed to, uh, to, to treat us better. They're not supposed to hurt us. They're supposed family should be at the best. And, and, we, and we just, we avoid some people make that decision then to say, all right, I, the way my family's treating me, the way it's gone, I'm just going to forget them. At best, avoid them. Don't have anything to do with them. At worst, bitter, hateful, vengeful kind of ways, but do it from a distance. There's a better way, though, in all of this. And, and it's ironic that we know, we just answered this question, we know that Nobody has a perfect family, but for some reason, what really upsets us when our family hurts us is that we are expecting them to be perfect in how they deal with us. You you understand what I'm saying? Is I know they're not perfect, but they better be perfect in how they treat me. Hello? Uh, Are we not getting this? And so if we can't be perfect, what do we need to be? We need to be a family of forgiveness. That's what God's calling us in our families, calling us to be families of forgiveness. But that's so hard. I have trouble. I mean, we have trouble because we're expecting. We just need to make the decision. In fact, can we make a decision this morning within our families that we are not going to expect any longer one another to be perfect, but we are going to expect one another to forgive? That's just what it's going to be. We're going to expect one another to have a love that forgives. What? You don't know my family. You know, I mean, some of the things they've done on purpose. We can't forgive the willfully, intentionally inflicted pain upon us. There is just no way they could possibly forgive. You only knew what they did. Well, I know someone who does kind of know what you're going through. And his name is Joseph. And that's the one we're looking at today. Because if you're like, I don't see how, if you only knew how bad my family have treated me. Okay. Well, we got somebody like that. Let's look at what happened with Joseph. In fact, if you turn back to 37, verses 12, 24, you think you have a dysfunctional family. You think you have one. Look at Joseph. And some of this, we're not going to just, uh, I'm going to gloss over this. Uh, I want you to look at it, but I'm going to kind of summarize this just for the sake of time this morning as we look at some of these. Here's what takes place. As you're looking at those verses, you're looking over verses 12 through 26. 
Ten of his brothers didn't just verbally abuse him, but they wanted to kill him. And that just felt like, I just want to kill you. I mean, they plotted it out. They thought it through. And they threw him in a pet, left him for dead, but then decided, hey, it's better off to make some money off of him. And they sold him into slavery. This whole human trafficking that's so prevalent still in the world today, a fate worse than death in many ways, was perpetrated on Joseph by his own family. And then they had the audacity to cook up this whole elaborate lie to break the news and break the heart of their father. But hey, it's okay. They were happy now. You think you have problems with family members? There are probably not many that would say this is what's happened to them. And this whole evil plan that his brothers had caused him. And what took place? Then what happens? Let's just fast forward to the verses I just read in chapter 50 of Genesis. And we see here what takes place in verse 17 of chapter 50 of Genesis. This is what you are to say, Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. So did Joseph forgive them? He asked to forgive him. Did Joseph forgive him here? No, he did not. Some of you are saying, oh, wait a minute. You got to listen to what I'm saying. He asked to forgive. Did Joseph forgive him there? No. Joseph did not forgive his brothers in chapter 50. Joseph did not wait until his brothers came and admitted their wrong. Joseph did not wait until they asked for forgiveness. Joseph did not wait until they repented, until they showed their sorrow. Joseph did not forgive them in chapter 50. Joseph forgave them long before that, way before that. He did forgive them, but not here. And so many times we think that's the way it's got to be. Somebody's got to come to us. They've got to admit. They've got to this, that, that, that. No. If we're going to be a family of forgiveness, we need to make the first move. We need to recognize. Because otherwise, if we wait for them, that puts us in a pickle with Jesus. When does forgiveness begin? It begins when we make the first move. Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, that's a little bit of a problem if we're waiting until chapter 50 to forgive. It's a little bit of a problem if we are waiting until somebody says something, until they admit that they're wrong. Because if we're waiting until that, then we're not just waiting to forgive them. We're waiting for God to forgive us. Do we really want to do that? We need to make the first move. That's what forgiveness is about. And the first move in our family should come from us. In fact, more than that, the first thing love does is look in the mirror. 
And see, that first move that we make needs to not be towards them, but towards ourselves, getting our eyes off the other person, the problems and all that they've caused us. And yes, it was a horrible act of selling their brother off. And yet the problem with Joseph and his brothers was not something that just suddenly came up. It's not like they were just kind of out in the field and saying, you know what? Hey, what are you doing today? I don't know. Let's kill our brother. You know, it's not just something to just come up. You look back at Genesis chapter 37 and you see what took place there with Joseph in chapter 5, or in chapter 5, in verse 5 of Genesis 37. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright, and while the sheaves gathered around mine, they bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream. And guess what? Did he keep that to himself? Oh, no, no, no. He told his brothers, Listen, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brother, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Your mother and I and brothers come down and bow to you. His brothers were jealous of him. The father kept this in mind. It didn't take a PhD to try to interpret the dream. The brothers figured out exactly what he was saying and what this dream was. Jealousy, hate, bitterness had just been boiling and boiling until finally it was just going to overflow. Because they were not a family of forgiveness, these things just continued to turn up the heat. Which is why there was a need to look in the mirror. I mean, Joseph wasn't exactly going to win any Mr. Congeniality Awards in the family, right? And it's not like that was going to happen. He was daddy's favorite. That's earlier in chapter 37 where it talks about how Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. They saw that. They saw the father loved him. He didn't hide it in any way. And they hated him for that. It says they could not speak a kind word to him. They didn't just go right to, we're going to kill you. It started with this. Let's face it, it didn't exactly help what dad did. Sometimes parents can play a role in the problems between siblings. Whether it's favorites or driving wedges between them. Not to mention the fact that Jacob, the dad, had had similar problems himself in his family. Think about it. You think, remember what took place with him? You think that, well, maybe there could be some lessons passed on about what I learned from the problems I had with my brother? Instead, the sins were passed on, not the lessons. This is a good time to mention that, as well, sometimes we do not always know what our parents had to go through when they were growing up. And we can talk about what we had to go through, but sometimes we don't know that what they had to go through when they were growing up was 100 times worse than whatever was in our family and the problems we had. That's not an excuse. 
It doesn't mean that what was done wasn't horribly wrong. But it's just another reason of why we need to proclaim freedom, healing, and life to people. To set them free. To, to set the hurting people free who will just end up hurting others, even in their own families. Unless we decide to look in the mirror and to begin with me, it is hard to become a family of forgiveness. Instead, we'll just pass the sins of our fathers, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters on to the next generations. And and while it's good to look at these kind of things that help us to find healing for the hurts of the past, let's face it, every parent, I, I, I mean, we can talk about it, but every parent is going to fall short. Not only make mistakes, but they're sinners. And sometimes I think we have expectations of our parents that even God does not have. Expectations has more to do with what we want. And then we end up going so far these days. I'm not saying that Joseph doesn't bear a part of the blame here, but I think sometimes we can go so far in blaming our parents for mistakes or even their outright sin that they had done. We blame them for every problem we have, every failure that happens to us to the point that we don't take responsibility for our own life that one day we will stand before God and have to answer and mom and dad won't be there. It'll just be you. And there will be no one else you can point to. In fact, this whole blame game that we spend our lives doing sometimes just continues to give that family member power over your future because of something they did in your past. Are you with me? As you continue on, you are just giving that past thing they did continue to give them power today and in the future. It's time to look in the mirror and cut the puppet strings of the past and what that's happened, what's done. It's time to be a family of forgiveness, especially as we're looking towards Father's Day next week. For some people, it's a holiday. For others, it's a horror day. It's time to no longer hold the grudge, but to give the gift of forgiveness. In a sense, Joseph brothers threw him in a hole that he himself had a part in digging. Right? That's looking in the mirror. It doesn't mean that what they did was right, good, or any way. No, it wasn't. But to recognize that Joseph had a part in digging that hole. And they say, well, God gave him the dream. Yes, God gave him the dream, but I don't think that either Joseph or his brothers were keeping that in perspective as they talked about it. Hey, this came from God. You know, in fact, I can hear Joseph using the excuse when he says that the same excuse that people today use. But I didn't say anything that wasn't true. Anybody heard that one? But I didn't say anything to them that wasn't true. He also didn't say anything to them that was speaking the truth in love. As Ephesians 4.15 says. And maybe what you said wasn't wrong, but the way you said it was wrong. That doesn't justify their extreme reaction. But it certainly helps us to realize that they've been a little on edge about things that Joseph says. You go all the way back, even, we, I didn't go all the way back in Genesis 37 to verse 2. 
This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. This is a young guy. I mean, he was just, Mr. I'm the best. Dad loves me the best, and I'm going to tattletale. And you, you guys did bad. You know, just come on. I mean, he just kind of the whole time look in the mirror. You're part of the problem. It doesn't justify what they did, but understand, you need to be a family of forgiveness, and it needs to begin with the person in the mirror. The amazing thing about all this is that God used their ungodly, sinful, selfish, fleshly, over-the-top, reactionary, ridiculous, evil way to bring about His good, perfect, pleasing way. We'll talk more about that in part two. I'm not saying that even as we're looking in the mirror that we did something wrong. They're saying that you did something wrong necessarily. That's not the point about whether you did something wrong. It's just recognizing our part to help connect the dots, to figure out where the heart is coming from, to try to understand the situation a little better, to work towards forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation. I know sometimes to even talk about this sounds ridiculous, that... Well, I, I know I made a mistake, but what they did was outright evil. And there's no excuse for it. And you're right, there isn't. I'm not trying to minimize what someone did to you. But let's also make sure that we don't minimize what we did. Yes, it's clear how bad that family member is. It is so clear how bad that family member is that even strangers treated you better than that family member. But we also need to look in the mirror and recognize how bad we are compared to Christ. And what Jesus had to do, what He had to go through just to bring about our forgiveness. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying, Paul talks about, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. Can we agree with Paul on this? About our lives? It, it puts things into perspective. Recognizing our own self. The mercy that was shown to us so that we might be able to show that mercy to others. So that we might be a family of forgiveness. Showing unconditional total forgiveness. If you think about what Joseph went through. If it wasn't bad enough what his family did to him. Then bad things just continued to happen. Didn't they? It's like things are starting to go good at the new job. You know, and all of a sudden, oh man, he gets accused of something, thrown in jail. Things are going good in jail, and he has this opportunity. A couple of people are going to go see the king. Hey, it's going good, and no. Just once again, the rug just kept getting pulled out from underneath him again and again. His life stinks, some people would say. What happened to him? It's just nothing. It's just like I try to get ahead, and it just gets knocked down, get knocked back. And none of this would have happened if it weren't for my stupid brothers. 
and what they did to me. Right? That's what we say. I mean, you could have just said that, thought of that. It, none of those things would have happened to me if they hadn't had my whole life stolen from me because I was stolen and sold. I was innocent. He was innocent. There was nothing that he actually did wrong, sinful. Nothing that he did as, as much of a problem and a brat as he might have been. There was nothing deserving the fate that he was experiencing. And yet we're all too familiar with someone who's been there and done that. Who was unfairly accused. An innocent one who suffered severely at the hands of those who should have known better. But they willfully chose to wrong him to the point that he experienced the darkest day in history. Going through one of the cruelest and most excruciating deaths on a cross. Taking a punishment for a whole world of people that at the time were his enemy. And he willingly did that in love. So that he might forgive. All of us. However bad you've been treated. However unfair. We need to recognize. Jesus understands that. He's been there, and what he's done is forgive. In the end, the evil that Jesus went through was meant for good for me and you. Among all the various reasons there are to forgive, to be a family of forgiveness, the number one is this, to forgive as Christ forgave you. You. May we not be unmerciful families, but rather families of forgiveness. Forgiveness as well means to be the first one to move. Not just make that first move, uh, first looking at ourselves, but be the first one to move. Not just first one to get up and go to that person who's wronged you, but to Make that first move by getting on our knees before God and forgiving the people who have wronged us. That's the first move forgiveness makes. We don't wait for somebody else. We don't wait until the brothers were in front of, in front of him in chapter 50. Joseph forgave them way before chapter 50. I said that earlier and some of you are like, well, that sounds right, sounds good, but how do you get that? Look at Genesis chapter 41. In Genesis chapter 41, in verse 50 and 52, is the account that happened way before Genesis 50, is the account of two sons that were born to Joseph, now that he was ruler and everything was going well type of thing. Uh, two sons that were born to Joseph. And as often happens in the Old Testament, names were given to the children that reflected either something about the child and what should be or something about the life of the parents and what was going on. And so let's look at those names that he gave these two boys. The first son was Manasseh, meaning God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. This is where he was at. 
After everything that they'd done to him, everything he said, God has made me forget all those hardships in my father's house. And then the second son came along. And he called him Ephraim, which means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Both chose Joseph's focus on God and what God has done to him and not on what other people have done to him. He was in this good place because of forgiveness that he had already chosen. Otherwise, like you see in some people in the Old Testament, is they give their children bitter names. You know, just like bitter. Oh, it just kind of says the way it is. That's just not, not really what you want. You see, Joseph was able to put the nightmare of what happened to him behind him. And when he did that, he could live the dream that God had for him. If you think about it, it's a dream that was much bigger. I know we read that, that dream and about the uh, stars and everything bowing down. But there's no way in just that dream that he could imagine what was going to happen to him. And where he was going to be. Not, not so much the dream that he was one of the most powerful men in all of the world at that time. There's no way he could dream that, but that's not really the point. There's no way he could dream that he, the youngest at that time, would be the savior of his family. And not just the savior of his family, but the savior in many ways of that world, in that area, all around, because of what God was going to do in his life and how God was going to use him. Because of God's plan, no matter what his brothers had planned against him. Because he made the first move of forgiveness, Joseph was able to see the amazing grace of God in his life. All the bad his family did, didn't suddenly get erased. Like it never happened. His destructive, dysfunctional family had taken a lot from him and caused him great pain. But none of that registered because he recognized even more overwhelmingly that God had given him so much more than they had taken away. So much more joy than the pain that he was suffering. He was willing to see that joy, see what God is doing. And the only way we see that and and have our eyes open is when we forgive. Not fixated on the past and rehearsing it over and over and rolling in bitterness, reeling in resentment. But a focus, not on the bad done, but on and the bad that was done that he didn't deserve. But a focus on the good that was done by God that is well. He and we don't deserve. When we are free by forgiveness, when we are free from the curse of our past... We are free to be able to live the blessing that God wants to do. That's where we see in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Yeah, I was thinking about here's what he's told us to do. I believe this is what Joseph did. We'll look a little more of this in part two as we deal with what happened and uh, what went on in chapter 50 there more, what God was doing. But Joseph was able to 
live. Joseph was able to uh, think of the, one of the songs we just sang. Actually, a number of the songs were good this morning as we think about this. But that forever reign. You are good. You are good. When there's nothing good in me. Not just nothing good in me, but you know what? There's nothing good in my parent. There's nothing good in my family members. There's nothing good in the people. Let's face it. You are love. You are love on display for all to see. You are light. You are light. When the darkness closes in, you are hope. You are hope. You have covered all my sin. Not everybody can say that. Because they've allowed the darkness to close in from their past and what's happened to them and what's going on. They've allowed it to consume them. Joseph did not. Joseph was able to say, by, just by the way he named his kids, you are good, you are good. Even when there's nothing good in me, nothing going around, you are good. What you've done, you are love. You are joy. You're the reason that I sing. You are life. And you, death has lost its sting. In forgiveness, Joseph was running to your arms, running to his arms. The riches of his love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever reign. Nothing compares. No matter what's happened to me, what's been done, nothing compares to your embrace to melt it all away, to run. His arms. The one who has forgiven us, we forgive others. As we prepare for communion, one of the things that sometimes uh, we all know that communion is open to all called upon the name of the Lord Jesus, who know Him as their Savior. And we know that we're to, a man should examine himself and look, and oftentimes we do that, but unfortunately, I think the religious thing sometimes kicks in and we say, let's see, is there anything I did I shouldn't have done or said, you know, is there anything I did? You know what? God and me are good. That's often the way we look at this is God and me are good, so I'm good to take communion. The problem is me and others aren't good. And as far as God is concerned, if we're not good with others, we're not good with Him. As far as it depends on you. Now, I'm not saying when we're talking about good, if there is something we have done, if not only we have done towards them, but there's something they've done towards us and we haven't forgiven them, then we are not good with God. Because He just, we read this earlier. The way you forgive, the way God has forgiven you, you need to forgive. And so as we prepare and think about this we need to recognize that we need to be right not just with god but be right with others because both of those are together both of those are what he's looking at forgiveness makes the first move and begins with you what god wants for us today is not just to make that first move but to be a family that forgives. To set that as the goal. That we're not going to try to be perfect or pretend to be perfect. But what we are going to try, what we are going to strive towards is that we are going to be a family of forgiveness that's not going to just change today, but it's going to change our family 
for future generations. And while that is the ultimate goal for our immediate families, that needs to be applied as well to this church. Unfortunately, there are problems that happen in church families. Wrong is said, wrong is done. And when that happens, the apparent Christian solution these days is to just chuck it all and leave. The reasoning somebody would say is, well, I don't have a choice in the family I was born into, but I can choose my church family. No, you can't. You don't choose who you're born again with. You're born again to this family. And while you may go and live at a different house of worship, in other words, and may change churches, you never changed families because they are still your brothers and sisters in Christ related by blood. And we are still accountable before God to be a family of forgiveness with them whether or not you're there with them. Uh, if you are new here this morning or uh, is somewhat new, I'm going to tell you something. I probably said it before. It's a secret in some churches. We're not perfect. Some perfect people struggle with saying that. But churches are not perfect because the people in them are not perfect. And if you think about it, that's why so much of this stuff is written about in the New Testament. Think about all the things. I just I threw out some today and there's so many more. You go through the, out the epistles. He's talking to the churches. Is he telling them how perfect they are? He's telling them how they're messed up and how they keep messing one another up and what you need to do. It's been since the beginning. This is the way it is. Hopefully the pain doesn't happen on purpose. But we will fall. We will fail. And even hurt one another. Sometimes without even realizing we're doing it. And yes, I know the response that you usually have to that. But yes, we are that dense to not know. And yes, even this week, the enemy may come against your family, against this family in some way to test all this. Which is why it's so important that we need to make a decision that we too will be a family of forgiveness. And let's just be real for a moment. This family here, this family of God here in the past has gone through some rough times. There's not always been, it's not always been right in a number of different levels. That's in the past. It's in the past if we have forgiven one another totally. I realize it may be a little awkward, as I said, for those who are new, somewhat new. Well, so am I. I understand that. I'm not trying to air any dirty laundry because, in a sense, the laundry has already gone through the washing machine by some intentional things, healthy choices that this body of Christ has tried to do since then. But I'm going to be straight with you, as I always will be, as your pastor who loves you and wants God's best for you. And I want to be clear. First of all, I don't have a sense that there are that the reason for this message is that there are major problems here at this time. I, I don't have that sense. I do have the sense that most who have needed to have mostly forgiven 
others. But I am not sure that we have totally forgiven as God has totally forgiven us. And I'm not sure that some even recognize that in their own lives. So let's make the first steps. Not just to forgive, but let's begin to make the first steps to be a family of forgiveness that says yesterday ended last night. Yesterday ended last night. It's over. Not to minimize past wrongs or rewrite what took place and say everything is right and and all is good. But a decision that we are going to treat Jesus' family how he treated us and to cover over with the blood of Jesus the past so that Jesus will be free to turn the page and write a new chapter in the future of Oil City Community Alliance Church. Make that decision together. Not just to forgive, but that we will be a family of forgiveness. So much so that people, unchurched and church alike, outside of these walls, will say that is a people, a family of forgiveness. So much so they will see that, which is the exact thing that Jesus said they should see. By this they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And one of the greatest ways, and yet hardest ways to love, is to forgive. As Jesus forgave us. Father, I pray that you would help us now. As we come before communion, we recognize that body, your body that was broken for us, how you forgave, but we also recognize we are the body. And that as you talk about communion in your word, you talk about it not as something that is done individually. You talk about something that is done corporately together. Lord, I pray that we would not just think we're right with you when we're wrong with others. And that we would seek you to make it right. Help us to make the first move and forgive. Totally. But help us to go beyond that. In our earthly families and in this heavenly family to become a family of forgiveness. Jesus, help us. Remind us as we partake of communion of your death and your resurrection and all that you came to do. In your love, forgive us. Bless this bread. In this moment, draw us into you. Closer. In your name we